0: Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and His purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. Here I go. Sorry. You know, this is all new to me online. Hi, my name is Lindy Pinkston, and I serve here, as Todd said, as the director of uh, the children's ministry, and um, as a pastor of women, and it is so good to be here this morning. I've never preached to a almost empty room, but we got a few people out here, and just want to again welcome you, um, all of you online that are joining us. And I just want to introduce myself and my family. I don't have pictures, but I have. Three awesome children, boys. I'm a boy mom. I have a 17 year old, a 15 year old, and a 12 year old. Hi, guys! Shout out to you who are in our den right now with our dog Lila watching me. I'm sure. Um, I love parenting, full of adventure that keep our lives full and always on my knees to Jesus. Parenting is a beautiful thing, but one of the most challenging things I've ever been a part of. It's very redeeming and very rewarding. And so, guys, I love you from the depths of my heart. And my awesome husband, who's here watching, um, you know, Todd made that joke. But honestly, those who know Conan, he's behind the scenes servant of the Lord that loves Jesus. And I would not be up here if it hadn't been for all of his years of supporting me and God's giftings in me. And so um, love you, Conan. So we are in a series called We Are the Church And honestly, it's hard to follow Isaiah's message last week, especially with his, like, jumping. I've been working on my toe touches and my herkies this week. Those who have not seen the message from last week, it was amazing. And he literally, I was here, he was, like, literally doing high jumps using the pulpit. I was like, that's amazing. I hope he doesn't flip over. And so um, I've been doing my stretches this week, but I'm actually not going to be doing that this morning. But I love this topic of the church and so blessed and honored when I was asked to speak on it. Um, because it's actually one of my favorite topics to talk about and um, I know the church is messy and beautiful and faithful and unfaithful just like I am and we talk about how the church is made up of us and because I am imperfect and unkind many times and kind sometimes and full of the spirit sometimes and full of the flesh many times so we all pull all that together and this is what makes up the church. But regardless of all that, I still love the church. And I'm going to talk about uh, that this morning along with spiritual warfare. And so before I get started, I'm just going to pray. So if you'll just join with me. Jesus, we love you. We invite you here this morning. Lord, I'm, I'm asking you to come and bring your presence in every room, every car, every ear that's hearing my voice the next 25 minutes, Father. Just ask you, Holy Spirit, to come. You have to come, or these are just words on a page. So, Lord, we're asking, Holy Spirit, you to shut my mouth if there's something I'm not supposed to say. Remind me of something I'm supposed to say. We give you this time, so you're welcome here to do what you do best. We love you. Amen. All right. So, like I said, I love the church. I have um, I have a little bit of a history with the church. I know many of you watching online are like, Sister, I've got a lot more history than you. And yes, I have just a little bit of history. And after all my history, I still love the church. So I want to share a little bit about that. I grew up in a, in a church that I loved. Um, my mom grew up in the church. My dad did not. And when he met my mom, he had a pretty radical conversion and was embraced by the church. And so our lives, honestly, um, we're about church. We were at church three times a week. I grew up at a church not far from here, quite a large church that I just loved going to church. Most of our good friends were a part of the church. I grew up in the youth group where we were able to travel internationally in high school and in the 80s. Yes, I'm a little older in the 80s. That was a big deal. It gave me a heart for the nations at an early age, and then went to college in Abilene, found a church, kind of bounced around. Found one about my junior year. There was a church plant, and it was called the Cell Church. Those of us who knew about the Cell Movement, which is um, what we are, small group based, um, introduced the Holy Spirit, learned about the Holy Spirit at this church, um, and then stayed there to work as a nurse in Abilene uh, following college. And during that time, the church that I loved and grew so much had some divisions, and there was a church split. And it was very, very difficult. And I would say up until I was in my mid-20s, and up until that time, it had some hard things happen. But that was probably one of the hardest I'd ever experienced in my 20s um, because I had best friends. We kind of fell on different sides of seeing things differently. And it was very, very painful. came at that time or a couple years later, moved back here to the Metroplex where I'd grown up, started going to Christ Fellowship at the time, Um, got on staff in about 2000, met my husband. We ended up moving to Honolulu, Hawaii for six years to plant a church and had the joy of planting a church, of building something. um, We literally knew no one when us and Brent and Vicki Mitchell moved to Honolulu. And the beauty of of finding friends, local friends, raising up leaders, pouring into people, and then people moving back to the mainland or back to where they were, the country they were from, or leaving because we were preaching too much of the Holy Spirit or we were preaching not enough of the Holy Spirit and those hard things when people leave that you pour into, and then we end up closing the church. And so i just say, with all that, church split starting a church, closing a church, loving the church. I still love the church. I still believe it's God's number one choice to touch the world. And that's what I'm going to talk about this morning. And I really do believe one day when I get to heaven, I would love the Lord to go, Lindy, thank you for being advocate for my body, for my church. Thank you for ordering your life around my church. I don't think he's going to say, Lindy, your view of the church Blew my mind. I can't believe how big you thought I really wanted the church to be on the earth. I really don't think that's going to be what he says to me. And so today, I want us to have that view. Everything I'm going to talk about, spiritual warfare is what I'm going to be talking about. But in the view of us individually, the view of us as the church as a whole. Because guys, the church has lasted through wars, dictatorships, plagues, natural disasters, and currently through a worldwide pandemic. And even as we've seen in the book of Acts the last few weeks, the early church, so like the brand new church survived through prisons, stonings, shipwrecks, persecution, death. And if they could do that, how did they do that? Well, I believe it's because they fought with weapons that allowed the church to keep flourishing. And so that's why we're going to talk about spiritual warfare this morning. A couple months ago, Micah and one of our staff meetings, this was the very beginning of COVID. So probably in April, I was trying to find my notes last night to get it specifically because I didn't want to, you know, say the wrong time, but I think it was in April. He had us just do listening time in April through June. As a staff, we kind of, we write our goals. We hear the Lord. What is God saying for our ministries for this next year? And he's like, let's listen. And I heard the Lord very clearly say, I want to raise up an army that is hard to offend. And at the time, I was like, that's a little like, sounds kind of, well, it I didn't quite make sense, but I was like, that's kind of what I got. And I had no idea I'd be preaching today in the middle of July and all that's going on in our world. And so I really do believe this morning that the Lord wants to raise up an army, the church, who knows how to fight in the spiritual realm and be victorious. And so my message today isn't just about, hey, you got to fight. It's like, no, we're going to fight with the right weapons so we can be victorious as a church. So the main things we're going to talk about today, we're going to take a pause at the book of Acts. We've been in the book of Acts for several weeks, and we're going to talk mainly from Ephesians, and we're going to talk about these three main areas, who or what is the enemy, what are some of the schemes of the enemy, and what are the real weapons we need to be fighting with as a church and individually to live a victorious life and change the world. So I'm going to lay a little background. Um, many of the women here in Antioch, which, women, Antioch, I love you. You are such a support to me. We have so many women that love Jesus with all their heart, soul, minds, and strength. And that really live it out. And I am so, it is so easy. Someone the other day was like, tell me about being a women's pastor. And I was like, honestly, it is, I love it. I, I love women want to serve, women We'll stay till the very end to make sure everything's cleaned up when men sometimes don't. know, my husband does. He's always the last one in picking up trash, just if you don't know, if you know Conan. But I'm just kidding. But so this summer, we've been in a study by Priscilla Shire called The Armor of God. And so um, I'm going to be taking a couple of her ideas and running it with it this morning. But I want to start with we are in a spiritual battle and it's unavoidable. It's invisible. But Satan is real, but he's not God's equal. Okay, he's not God's equal. He's omnipresent. He's omniscient. He performs miracles. He's eternal. And so don't ever think, don't ever think, oh, I'm so under this, that God's not big enough. He is big enough. He's so much bigger. And open war is upon us, whether we want it or not. Everything occurring is in the visible. The physical world is directly connected with the spiritual, with the unseen battle that is happening in the invisible realm. So what you see is not what you're going to get, right? Your real enemy, the devil, wants you to ignore the spiritual reality behind the physical ones so that you're going to fight with carnal weapons instead of spiritual ones. When we fight with carnal weapons, we will never get the results we're wanting. I do this all the time. I fight with the same weapons. It's like Conning says, and Sandy's doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. And I do it, y'all. I'm, I'm, I've lived this message. And don't think spiritual warfare hasn't hit my family this week. It has. It has. And he knows specifically how to hook you. He knows your weaknesses. He knows exactly how to hook you, right? And I get hooked all the time. So as I'm preaching this morning, I'm right there with you on this message. So Priscilla told us to do an exercise at the beginning of this um, study that really was helpful for me. And I want everybody to spend 15 seconds doing this with me. She had a circle on the page and she said, write your most difficult or trying relationship or circumstance that you right now are experiencing in the circle. So I want everybody to think of that. The most difficult relationship, the most difficult circumstance you're having right now. And then she had you draw a line outside the circle and write, not the real enemy. Think about it. That spouse, that boss, that coworker, that child is not the real enemy. There's something behind that. And when we try to fight against that thing, we are not going to be fighting with a spiritual battle that we need to be fighting with. So who is the real enemy? If it's not your spouse, if it's not Levy Conan, if it's not your boss, if it's not your child, it's the enemy. And so we're going to turn to Ephesians chapter 6. This is going to be our main passage today. I'm going to come in and out of it. We're first going to start with verses 10 through 12. And it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Our fight again is against it's against the rulers, guys, not ruler, rulers, authorities, dark, the darkness, the evil in this world, in the heavenly realms. And so this is where Thomas, the enemy, I'm going to describe the enemy for a few minutes. And he's in charge of these rulers. He's in charge of these authorities. And just listen to this and thinking your, in your head, do I want any of my life to ever come under this? In Job, he's described as an antagonist to the plans and purposes of God. In Matthew 4, says his intention is to defame the character of God and others. In Isaiah 14 and Luke 10, it describes him as the day star because his appearance can be attractive and alluring so that he can deceive you. He's called a tempter. 2 Corinthians four four says he's blinded the eyes of unbelievers. We wonder why unbelievers don't know about the Lord. He's blinded them. Revelations 12.10 says for the accuser of our brothers who accuses them before the Lord our God day and night. He accuses you Day and night. He doesn't give up. He doesn't get tired. He accuses you. He puts shame on you. He accuses you of something you did 25 years ago, five years ago, yesterday. And he holds you under condemnation so that you do not see the freedom in Christ that he wants you to walk in victorious life. John eight forty four says, get this. This is from the message. He was a killer from the very start. He couldn't stand the truth because there wasn't a shred of truth in him. When the liar speaks, he makes it up out of his lying nature and fills the world with lies. There's not one inch of truth in him, guys. The NIV says he's the father of lies. That's who we're dealing with. There's no truth in him. And he knows your weaknesses and knows how to get you hooked. So what are the schemes? So we know who the enemy is. Now, what are his schemes? What are his plans? Well, John 10.10 says, The thief comes only to kill, steal, and destroy. But I've come that may have life and have it to the full. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy everything that you're about everything that you set up in your business to be about the lord he wants to come and steal every ounce of energy you set to fight for freedom in your family and as you're raising kids and i can speak to this every time i want the holy spirit and his kingdom to come in my home i have got to expect that the enemy is going to come right behind me and try to thwart it and i've experienced this guys i get crazy about spiritual warfare i have done crazy things in the past when I was an Abilene and I was a nurse, I did the whole rock, walk around my hospital seven times with everybody in my life group because I was going to see people healed. And you know what happened? I did. God used. God came in that active prophetic act, and I saw people come to the Lord and healed. I've gone out in my house when it's pouring rain, put a pillowcase on a stick peace over my house i mean in it's in, in, in a worship song finding a worship song and going to warfare i get kind of crazy about this stuff and this is why i'm kind of passionate about it because these are kind of the stuff we have to do sometimes not all the time but if the lord asks you to do something crazy in the, in, the, in the area of warfare listen to that song again are you serious i've heard that 15 times listen to it again he wants you to get something Okay, that was just a side note. That wasn't part of my notes. Okay, so here we go. So he wants to kill, still, destroy. Another thing he wants to do is he wants to bring offense in the church. One of the most deceptive kinds of bait that he wants everyone to have. We all encounter he wants to bait us with offense, guys. But I'm telling you, if we consume it and we feed on it, then we will become offended if we take his bait. The definition of offended is an annoyance or resentment brought by on by a perceived insult or disregard for oneself or one's standards or principles. So when we get annoyed or we get resentful by something someone said to us, when they put, they, they have no they have no regard for my opinion, my standards, my principles, or we get perceived insult, it is a trap by the enemy to make us offended. And I have experienced this and I'm pretty aggressive about this. And this is why I want to share on this. I actually preached on this a couple years ago. And honestly, I did not want to include this portion because I was like, Lord, I was, I was struggling with it. And I thought, I was like, Lord, why am I struggling with? Cause I really felt like he wanted me to share this. And, but I was like, I shared on this a couple years ago. My whole set message was on offense a couple years ago when I preached and he's like, it's your pride. I was like, it's my pride. He goes, yeah, you want people to know you have more in you than just the message of offense. And I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to allow my pride not to to preach a part of my sermon this morning that I really feel like is timely and the Lord wanted me to preach. What I want to tell you guys this morning is the Lord, I mean, the enemy loves it when he hooks us. We went fishing a few weeks ago on vacation at Conant's Cabin. Stream fishing a little more difficult we 're catching some fish, but the last day they stopped the stream, and my twelve year old son caught seventeen fish, and it was so fun he would literally throw it in trout throw it in trout and it was like oh my goodness again and you're thinking are the trout not smarter than that like they're seeing we're pulling all their friends out and they're just still sitting there like idiots and that's the enemy i got her oh my god her again he's laughing in as many times when he hooks us he's like oh my gosh she can even see they're in a shadow i've set her up with this scenario every day for a year and she's still letting me bait her guys this is a deal This is a deal. Luke 17, 1 says, Then Jesus says to his disciples, It is impossible that no offenses should come. It's impossible, guys. It's impossible. But woe to him through whom they come. The Greek word for offended here comes from the word scandalon, which means the original word was referred to a trap in which there was a bait attached. So therefore, this word actually signifies laying a trap in someone's way. The New Testament often describes this entrapment as used by the enemy. He sets traps for you to be offended. Offense is the tool of the enemy to bring you into captivity. If he can get you into captivity under the spirit of offense, there will be division. You will lose relationships. It is does not go well with you. It's a slippery slope. Okay, Matthew twenty four ten through thirteen says, and then many may be offended. There and actually pause. He's talking about the end times. Okay, Jesus. Many will be offended. They'll betray one another and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end will be saved. There's no shortage of offenses right now, guys. And right now he's talking about in this word, the word love in verse 12 is the word agape, which means the one that Jesus really gives us. It's unconditional. So agape is referring to Christians who love and whose love has grown cold. We don't want to be part of that group in the end days that grows cold because of offense. We want to stay strong to the end and rise right now. There's ability, there's opportunities to be offended everywhere you go. Probably more in my life ever. I mean, you can get offended With the news, you can get offended with social media, what someone said to you, what someone didn't say to you. When school starts, you can get offended in the school line. Why is she driving so slow? Why is she driving so fast? You can go into any restaurant now, you can get offended by what they're doing, what they're not doing. You go in Walmart and get lots of offenses. Just kidding. Just everywhere we go, there's abilities for us to be offended, okay? And we have to avoid the spirit of offense in our culture, in our church. And one way we set ourselves up for offense is when I require certain behaviors and attitudes from those I love, and when they don't deliver the way that I wanted them to. That's why many times we get offended by those we love the most. And The church has got to be aggressive about this guy. We, we, guys, we have to be free from offense. I'm pretty—I said this earlier—but I'm pretty aggressive about this in my life. And I honestly—I tell you, my offense muscles are tired. They're experiencing some fatigue right now because of everything we're experiencing. And all, all of you right now on Sunday mornings, they're sitting here and you're in your pajamas and you're eating your waffle, drinking your latte, playing with your dog. I've loved that. I've, there's been Sunday mornings through COVID that we have loved being connected with our family, with our boys, having longer time to like maybe pray for one another, discuss the message. But I'll tell you, I miss the whole body. And I want to connect this offense right now with what's happening in the church, and not just specifically our church, but the church. So, what happens when we're all meeting on a Sunday morning during your week? You probably um, have some offenses, and probably from maybe some people from church, someone who didn't return a text, or someone who said something that life group that is kind of it just did not set well with you. It felt a little personal, or maybe you're looking at someone's social media and you're like, "Gosh, I can't believe she thought she thought that or she said that." And then what happens is you come to church, you see that person. You see them worshiping. You're standing next to them. The power of God's coming down. You see them weeping. You see them getting prayed for. And you realize, I love them. They got a story just like I do. I don't know why they responded that way. I don't know why they didn't return my phone call. But I love them. But you see their their child acting up, and you say, "Wow, she looks exhausted." And something happens when we see people face to face. And guys, we are not seeing people face to face, and the enemy can use this time to come in and bring division in your relationships within this church. And your your, your uh, uh, offense with someone in this body doesn't just affect you and that person. It's like when if Connor and I are in in um, having issues with each other, you think it affects our sons, Joshua, Joe, and Jonathan. Absolutely. And everyone would agree with that. Of course. Well, when you have an issue with someone in, 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 in our body specifically, in your local church, and they're just grinding you and it's bothering you, a life group leader said that, or they didn't do this, or it affects the whole body and it will break us down. And my encouragement is to go to that person. Go to that person if you need to. Work it out with the Lord first. I mean, there's been months where I've had to work through issues with people with the Lord. And that's why we have to keep our hearts aggressive on this. Yesterday, I was gardening. I don't really like to. I love beauty outside. I just don't like the work that it requires. There's a part of our yard that um, I've just kind of let go. There's flowers actually around there. And yesterday, I was like, okay, I need to go out and look. And I was like, wowzers. The weeds are amazingly grown up everywhere since I've weeded lately. And as I'm pulling them all, you know, sometimes, I mean, I'm not going to do the whole gardening illustration, but you know, it is great when you pull the weed and you can feel it coming out and you're like, that thing is not coming back. And then when you're too tired, you can just pull it up and you're like, that's going to grow back in a few weeks, right? Well, I was sitting there and I was getting frustrated and I thought, oh, if, if, if I would just do this, if I would just do this a little bit every day, if I would just come out here for 10 minutes or get my boys to come out here 10 minutes every day, I would not end up with this. And the Lord was like, yes, that's like a fence in your heart. If we would just tend our hearts every day in this issue, we would not look up when they go, oh my goodness, where did that come from? That's taking over my heart. That's affecting every area of my heart. You aren't having peace right now in your life. Um, my question is, is there someone that you need to forgive? Guys, when you do deliverance ministry, listening prayer, any of these things, unforgiveness is one of the hugest parts of not having breakthrough with people. So un- and forgiving someone is spiritual warfare because it's acting Opposite of what we want to do. All right, the next thing that we can do, that the enemy wants to do, to, to cause us to um, come under his schemes, is he likes to disengage, distract, and discourage. Disengage, distract, and discourage. Priscilla Shires in her study, says this quote: "Our enemy celebrates lethargic Christian living. We are giving up on relationships, but when we are giving up on relationships." disregarding the purity of our reputations, yielding to our appetites without putting up much, if any resistance, he can basically go unchecked, wreak havoc in our lives of God's people. And ultimately he can hamstring the church from achieving the purposes of God. I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to be a part of just being overwhelmed right now. There's too much information. We just want to disengage. There's too many hard things to discuss and we aren't sure about our future, we want to get distracted. There's just too much going on, and I'm tired of that issue that I've been fighting for for years. We just want to roll over and give up. And the enemy is like, yes, I want you to do that. Give up. Give up on that relationship. Give up on that, that sin bent that you've had for years. Just give up. Give into it. And We cannot do that. We cannot do that. So the question is, How can the church become an army that advances the enemy's schemes to bring hope to a hopeless world? What weapons should we be fighting with? So we've defined the battle is against the heavenly forces. Only those weapons, divinely sanctioned and authorized by God, can have any effect in the battle we face. So we need to start with our position in Christ. We have access to the Father, and he's given us a position that has authority and power. Ephesians one, three says, praise be the God and the father of our Lord, Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Yeah. We have every spiritual blessing in Christ. Christ is seated on the right hand of God. And he's saying, you have access to everything I have access to. Do y'all realize what that means? We have access to everything. We have to walk in the authority and the power. That's why Jesus when He said, it's going to be better for you because I have given you my Holy Spirit. We have His Holy Spirit. We have part of God, the Trinity, in us. Verse 7 and 8 in chapter 1 says, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that He lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. So now we don't only have every spiritual blessing, which actually covers all this, but we have forgiveness. We have wisdom and understanding. He gives us a spirit of wisdom. He gives us understanding on how to fight the battles that we are tired of fighting for. Verse 13 says, and we also were included in Christ when you heard the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed you were marked with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. So we are given salvation. We are giving this seal of the Holy Spirit. And like I said, the Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity. So part of the, the Godhead is in me. Isn't that amazing? We have access to everything, guys. So we have to know our position or we will not fight this battle with, with the weapons that he's created to fight with. This next one y'all aren't going to like, but it's called Die. We have to die. I was an early mother. I We were in Hawaii, and I still remember the restaurant. It was a Thai restaurant. We had um, someone coming to visit us who was older with children, and I'd heard her talk about how to stop your kids, how to get your kids to hear the voice of the Lord. And my kids were two. Joah was two, and Joshua was four. And I was... I was just, I wanted, I wanted to know more, and so I asked her. I remember over Thai food. I said, so give me your, like, one nugget of parenting. And she looked at me, and she goes, die. And I was like, die? I was like, I think she heard my question wrong. You know, I was like, that cannot be her answer. And I was like, so, like, what, die? Like, what do you mean? She's, oh, parenting is all about dying. You die to, you are very athletic, and you want athletic kids, and they could care less about being an athlete. You do not like to read? Your kids love to read. You value reading, and your kids hate reading. You like this kind of food. Your kids like this kind of food. You thought your kid was going to look like this or personality was going to be like this, and your kid looks like this and personality is like this. And it's nothing against our kids. It's just we're always dying to stuff. And you don't have to be a parent to understand this, guys. But as parenting specifically, it comes out and it, it, it raises its ugly head. My kids did not like Mexican food after we moved back from Hawaii for like two years. I was offended. They, their favorite food is still Hawaii, Hawaiian poke, which is like seared ahi tuna. And I love it too, but I'm like, how can you not like Tex-Mex? That is not okay. Like, we we're going to eat Mexican food. They would not want to go eat Mexican food. And I'm like, we have to train you up to like Mexican food. And they do now. But I'm just saying, that's a funny, I'm just giving a little funny, but we do have to die. And guys the same way in the church when you said yes to jesus you said i'm gonna die die to your preferences die to your opinions die to your right to be right because we want the body to be raised up and if i'm all about me 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 the church will never die in the eyes of the world and see wow they're really sacrificial they really love one another this is something out of the ordinary you know one of our um one of our members here is working at amazon this summer i was just going to say, it's Chris Gaul. Chris Gaul's working on at Amazon. And I love the story because a few weeks in, because you guys know Chris. He's just a servant heart. Some young man came up to him and said, are you a dad? And Chris was like, I am a dad. He thought that was interesting. A few weeks later, the guy comes up and goes, are you a pastor? And Chris goes, well, kind of, because Chris is a pastor. He's not on staff, but he's a pastor. And I'm like, what kind of? He's only been working there for a couple months. What kind of witness has Chris been that someone asked him if he's a pastor? It's because he's loving, he's living out his convictions and his values in a warehouse, loving people, picking up boxes, noticing people when no one else is noticing them. And I'm telling you, if the church would rise up and die to some of the things that we want to, that I want to be heard and die to what the, the, what the Lord wants. We would see something happen. The world cannot stop, and the fruit of dying is unity, guys. It is unity. Unity is what's going to bring us forth. This unity will break us down every time, and how we do that was re- respond in the opposite spirit. We want to respond in the opposite spirit. I'm going to talk about some ways that we that we can we can um follow what the Lord is saying in the spiritual warfare. I've talked about how we died to our desires and our wills and now we respond in the opposite spirit. What that means is when when uh when one of one of my kids this week, it's called uh you respond in the opposite of spirit. Someone said something sarcastic. One of my other kids responded with sarcasm and I was like, I can't believe you said that. He's like, well, he said this. And I was like, that's so sarcastic. He said, well, he was sarcastic. And when we respond, if someone responds to say something sarcastic to us and we respond with sarcasm, you know what happens? Sarcasm just goes for it. Someone says something unkind to us. We respond in kindness. The, the battle's going on. A friend of mine this week was talking about letting go of the tug of war. If we let go, If someone responds a way we respond in the opposite spirit, what happens in the heavenly realms is it breaks it. It breaks it. Even if you can't see it in the physical, even if that person brings it up and wants to keep fighting that fight, if we will respond in the opposite spirit in the heavenly realms, something will be broken. And I just really, I really believe this. I order my life around this. I don't do do this perfectly at all. But responding in the opposite spirit cuts through. The next thing we need to do is we've got to put on the armor of God. And Julia did a great job um, explaining this earlier. But we actually get to put on his armor. Isaiah 59, the Lord describes it as his armor. So he's actually giving us his armor. So we're going to pick up in Ephesians 6, 13 through 17, and it says, therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when you're in the day of evil comes, you'll be able to take, stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand, stand firm then with a belt of truth buckled around your waist, with a breastplate of righteousness in place, and your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, take on the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So I'm going to run through these really quickly. The belt of truth or strapping on God's truth, guys, allows us to stand firm against the enemy schemes. The Roman soldier, when, when, when Paul's writing this, the, the church of Ephesus understood this analogy. It's hard for us because we don't have Roman soldiers walking around here. But the armor was very meaningful to them. They understood what it meant. The belt held in the core. It strengthened the core and it allowed the armor to hang from it. If you didn't have a belt of truth, you could not fight properly. And God's truth His word is our truth, and it allows us to fight. So if you're struggling with, is this truth or not, look in the Bible, and I love you, but if it's against what the Bible says, it's not God's truth. It's not. Okay, so then we get the breastplate of righteousness, and the soldier would wear this, it would protect all his vital organs. And righteousness is living right. So we align how we live under the truth. So if we aren't sure what we should do, decisions, how do I live right? Will you come under the truth of what the Lord says is truth, right? Shoes of peace. Um, I learned this, that the Romans' shoes had little nails, kind of like football cleats is probably like the best way. I think they were a little more intensive football cleats. They're kind of little nails, but it helped them with firm footing. The strong, tangible presence of peace in our personal lives and our relational interactions is perhaps our most vital spiritual commodity in threading the success of the enemy's plans. Priscilla talks about this in her study. Our relationships with one another— Peace-bearing people scare the enemy because right now in an, in, in every generation that lives before us and will come up ahead of us, peace is such a solidifying, it, it mesmerizes people that don't have peace. And right now, we want to have a peace in the midst of chaos. Peace is not when everything is hunky-dory and there's nothing going on. Real peace, like the Bible talks about, shalom, is actually birthed in chaos. When things are not going the way we want, can we walk in peace? And our peace is what's going to make us have a firm foundation so that we don't slip. Peace brings unity. I keep bringing unity in, guys, because I can't talk about enough. The church has to stand in unity. And can the church be the leaders in finding peace in the midst of chaos? Can we be unified? I believe we can. And Jamie Jamie mentioned this this morning, but when the church leads out in living lives marked by king principles, the world will take notice. But Ephesians three ten says the church will all will declare when we when we live kingdom lives it will declare to the rulers and authorities in heaven God's manifold wisdom. So our living out God's purposes as a church changes the activities in the heavenlies. Isn't that encouraging? When we move forward as a church, we're not just saying, "Oh, we're going to move forward in the physical." It's changing things in the city of Fort Worth, in our neighborhoods, in the state of Texas, in the United States, and in the nations. All right, in Thanksgiving, always comes after thanksgiving always precedes peace you want peace in your life start being more thankful it says pray on all occasions and with thanksgiving then the peace of god that surpasses understanding will guard your hearts and mind in christ jesus so we have to have thanksgiving shield of faith i'm going to run through these quickly um julie already referred to this but their shield was not this little round shield like julie had it was like a four by two shield and what they would do they would gather around they would form like a shell like a turtle shell when the enemy was throwing darts at them so that they fiery darts so they could be protected and this was interesting that I learned was that many times the the, the firing arrows were to distract this distract the soldiers we don't want to get distracted I don't personally want to get distracted and be fighting this battle when really the enemy's taking over my family because I'm focused on the wrong thing. in a salvation, how we protect our mind, knowing our identity in Christ will affect the way we fight. Sword of the Spirit, the written and the spoken word of God. And we can use it to demolish strongholds, y'all. It is not just some, oh, this is a neat book. This is a, a weapon. Like Julia had that huge sword, a weapon to fight the enemy's schemes in your life. And this last thing I'm going to end on is prayer. So prayer activates all of this. Ephesians 6.18 says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always be keeping and praying for all of the Lord's people. So guys, we're supposed to be praying on all all occasions. And when Paul's saying pray at all times, he doesn't just mean a general sense. He's, this word actually translated in the verse, kairos, which means specific times, precise occasions, and particular events. He wants us to be strategic in our prayers. And that is how we're going to see breakthrough in our personal lives and us as a church, is when we have specific strategic prayers going forth. You know, Jamie prayed this earlier, but if you ever get stuck, oh, I don't know what to pray. Pray the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If we could just have a drop of heaven on earth, wherever you are at, things would be different. Right? So we need to be praying that in. And guys, prayer activates all this. You want peace in your life? Pray it in. Pray it in. You want to be faithful. Faithfulness is, is, is an action. It is not as I have faith. No, it is stepping forward. And the minute you step forward, when God tells you to do something and you take a step of faith, not knowing what the result's gonna be, that shield of faith comes and protects you. I've experienced it time and time again when you know it's so Lord. So in review, the enemy's a liar, but he's real. He's a deceiver. And he wants to set you and the church. Antioch Fort Worth, the church, the big the big sea church, he wants to deceive us. He's out to kill, steal, and destroy the church by offense, disengagement, distraction, deception, and discouragement. But God has given you the tools to fight with your position in him. His armor and prayer that activates all this. And act, the prayer that actually activates the belief that you have something to fight with. So as we leave today, I'm just going to encourage you with a couple things. And Aaron's going to play some music. And then I'm just going to pray a blessing over you guys. I want you to go to the Lord with that person or that circumstance that, you, that came to mind at the very beginning. And I want you to just to ask the Lord to help you work through that. Maybe you need to write out specific prayers that can help you find peace in that relationship, peace in that circumstance. Post them around your house, your car. And make sure you're keeping current with any offenses you have and forgiving and responding in the opposite spirit. Because when we die, we actually live, guys. When we let go of that tug, of, that rope and tug of war, and we let go, God is getting victory. And one last thing, you know, we like I said, we were went on vacation a few weeks ago, and we were in a cabin. We were unplugged from everything. We had to be because there's no phone and no internet. It was amazing though. And I really want to encourage you in this season. If you can't get away for a couple of days, spend a few days where you just unplug from everything. And just rest, just be in his presence, play games with your kids, go on long walks. I mean being unplugged from all the media going on right now in, in phone calls and Voxer and Twitter and whatever you whatever you do, Facebook, there's something that's, that's bringing life when we can unplug for us just a few days and just get realigned. So I'm going to pray for the armor to be on each one of you. And as I, the Lord really wanted me to pray this over you. So I'm asking everybody to close your eyes and actually sense the Lord putting this armor on you. He's actually coming right now. He's standing in front of you, placing this. I just want to speak this blessing over you. Everyone listening to my voice, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For your struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against all the spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. So therefore, put on your armor of God. So when the day of evil comes, you'll be able to take your stand. And after you've done everything, you will stand. Stand firm then. With the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Right now, I ask Lord Jesus, you come. I pray you buckle truth on. I pray you put a breastplate of righteousness right now on everyone that's listening. I pray their feet have the gospel of peace. I pray peace come in every situation, in every hard relationship that they're having right now. I pray they take up the shield of faith. I pray they have faith that's active and they can extinguish every flaming arrow, every flaming arrow from the evil one. I pray they take the helmet of salvation. And put it on their head and it protects their minds. The battlefield of the mind, Lord. We're asking for the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, to come forth. And Lord, I pray you ignite prayer. They will pray on all kinds of prayers with all kinds of requests. Lord, I'm asking right now you to ignite prayer. I bind the belief that prayer does not work. And we release the belief that prayer works. Lord, we say those that haven't prayed in a while, who feel stagnant with prayer, who are discouraged with prayer, Lord, we're asking right now you to come through with my voice. And you come and you light a fire for prayer. If it starts with five minutes a day, post-it notes around your house. Lord, that you ignite something. We ask you to remove the scales on our eyes that make us believe that prayer does not matter. Remove it, Lord. We say your prayer ignites all of this armor, ignites our desire to worship you, to live right, to take steps of faith. So we seal all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, be blessed today. May you go and experience the presence of the Lord in every sphere you have this week. Bye-bye.